It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. It's week eight of This Week in the Big East for 2019. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and all of the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, author Kevin McNamara alongside as always. And heading into the weekend, there are only 13 conference games left on the schedule over the next week. And just before we tip off the Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden, we know nothing <laughs> for certain. <laughs> nothing has been finalized. Nothing has been decided. Defending national champ Villanova was in a place they were not familiar with, having lost three in a row. Then they get a bounce back win at home over Marquette. Everyone else, basically a game separating fourth through tenth place. It's madness, Kevin. It's madness. Well, John, we're, we're here to provide a bit of guidance to the fans anyways. But you're right. Uh, concrete answers, we're not bringing many to the table because the Big East is crazy right now. I'm wondering, though, if this isn't, and we may talk about this a little bit later on as the conversation progresses here, is this a detriment in any way, or is this just sheer pure fun because it's so wide open? It's a detriment. I I, I think the Big East is officially eating itself apart. Uh, The bubble teams, everyone from Seton Hall to St. John's to Georgetown to Butler, uh, Xavier, they, they just keep beating each other up and those teams that you'd like to see sli- slip into the you know NCAs as maybe a 9 10 11 seed yeah. someone needs to string together some wins it's as simple as that yeah right now with uh, Thursday night's Xavier and St. John's game notwithstanding those two schools could arguably be the hottest squads heading into the stretch run let's take a few temperatures on these patients shall we um, what teams do you feel like have strengthened their case if any or conversely weakened their chances for advancing into the postseason well, St. John's certainly has helped itself with uh, their win over Seton Hall at the Garden last week. Big-time uh, atmosphere, a 78-70 win, sellout crowd. Hats off to the St. John's fans for coming out all season, really. Absolutely. They have done a good job. Uh, so I, I think St. John's has to do something bizarre to not get in at this stage. The team that's really intriguing to me right now is Georgetown. Georgetown is 7-8 and eight with another home game against Seton Hall and road games at DePaul and Marquette. Mm-hmm. If Georgetown can get to 10-8 and eight in the Big East, they're going to be looked at very closely. And the team that I think everyone is all of a sudden saying, wow, could this really happen, is Xavier. Xavier with four wins in a row, uh, some big-time wins against potential NCAA teams like Villanova, like Seton Hall. They still have a a tough stretch here at St. John's, at Butler, and St. John's at home. But right now, they're playing as well as anyone, John. Marquette and Villanova still 1-2 in the Big East standings heading into the weekend. St. John's, Seton Hall, Xavier's late-season charge getting the Musketeers within a couple of jump shots at third place, as you just talked about. The Golden Eagles have six road wins in league play for the first time since becoming members, but perhaps lamenting the one that got away Wednesday night at Villanova. DePaul and Georgetown each already have more Big East wins than they had all of last season. It also seems as if the former denizens of the basement floor in the Big East are finding the escalator to the next floor, or two going up. Providence was last entering the week, for instance, but then they won at Butler in overtime. So it's crazy. Well, let's talk about the bottom of the league. Everyone you know, wants to talk about Marquette and Villanova with good reason. The bottom of the league tells me that everyone is good. 
There's not one team with a record below 500. Uh, I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of the Big East. Uh, John Paquette is going to have to look that up for us. But that that doesn't happen in a 10-team league. I can't There's, imagine that it has. No. And, and what that means is that every game is against a quality team. When I flick on the TV and look at some other leagues, that's not the case. There's some teams that are non-competitive at this stage of the game because their season is over. You know, DePaul on Wednesday night, they gave Georgetown all they could handle. And who wants to play DePaul in New York, John? Nobody. Nobody. I don't know if you want to play anybody in New York, to <laughs> be honest point. with you. All right, in the headlines this week, indicative of the relative youth, perhaps, of several of these teams, home teams have only a 43-32 advantage in their own buildings. 42% of the conference games played thus far, having been decided now by six points or less, or gone into overtime. Marquette continues to move up incrementally in the national polls. They're ninth in the USA Today Top 25 Coaches poll this week. They're 10th in the Associated Press. Villanova is on a three-game or was on a three-game losing streak for the first time in six years. They fell out of both polls but then rebounded with that 67-61 home win over the Golden Eagles. As of midweek, the Big East again had eight teams within the top 78 of the net ranking and remains the only conference in America, Kevin just mentioned it, without a team having a losing record. So, Kevin, it all sounds pretty solid, but at what point are these diminishing returns for these teams that keep beating each other up? You touched on it just a couple of moments ago. It's great for competition. It's great for the fans. Is it great for the conference? Well, no. Uh, there's a chance that the Big East is only looking at, say, three bits, which would be a low and really I don't think would be fair. But then again, you know, the, the, the numbers are the numbers. And when you finish nine and nine or eight and ten in a league, you know, in a league like this, yeah. it's tough to get in. You had better get to ten and eight. And right now, I couldn't tell you who's going to get ten league wins. It's, it's that up in the air. If anybody does, right? Don't forget, if you have questions on your favorite team or any other big team in the Big East, we're going to get you some answers. Send them to us right here to use on the show. Hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag T W I T B E Twit B. Thanks to. All of our Westwood One stations for tuning in. Thank you for catching us on Sirius XM. If you're on your commute, you're working out, doing the dishes, whatever you may be doing, you're listening to us on podcast. Thanks for downloading us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to leave us of a review, would you? We'd certainly appreciate it. While we're very much into the present moment of this college season, there is always an eye or an eyebrow raised toward the next year in most places. Most everyone in the Big East looks to have solid returnees to make next season even more special. We're going to talk to a player coming up who is now beginning to come into his own this season. Plus, being two weeks out from the tournament, we'll get the latest from Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman. We're also going to get some perspective on this race as well as others around the country from a national name covering the sport in Jeff Goodman. First, whether you like the long-distance game or the inside strength in the sport, true low-post players are not exactly growing on trees around here. But Providence has one of those in burgeoning big man Nate Watson. He's only a sophomore. Upside? Yeah, he's got some of that, and it's already started. Watson joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. 
Big East Spotlight. With 12 to shoot, Langford gets dribbled penetration, throws it up off the back iron. Oh, man! Watson sends home the answer! <laughs> Holy moly! In a game dominated by guard play, physical inside and athletic outside, post play is basically a bonus for a team if they have it or if they can get it. One young player is beginning to assert himself on the inside at Providence, with the Friars currently taking the inside-out approach in order to find some success. Sophomore center Nate Watson out of Arlington, Virginia, joins us this week in the Big East. Nate, I'm just kind of wondering here, there's always a learning curve for younger players, especially in this league. It takes you a while to catch on and, and learn about the physicality of the sport. How long did it really take for you to realize what the physicality of the college game was at this level in the Big East, and that you'd need to change that physicality in order to be good. Well, uh, it took almost a whole summer. I mean, as a freshman, I came into college, and uh, I wasn't as strong, so I, I did what I did to get stronger. I did extra lifts all the time with my uh, strength coach, and I just realized that this is a league of men, and that uh, in order to be successful in this league, you have to be strong, you have to be strong mentally and uh, physically. And so... Uh, in the summer, that's all I did. All I did was train, weight lift. I got my mind right. I watched film on myself and uh, to see what I can do to, to, uh, in order to be a, a great player in the Big East. Well, you mentioned this being a league of men, and I don't think there would be anybody that would argue against that. But you're a pretty good-sized man yourself, 6'10", and, and you, uh, I know you're listed at 240. If you want to tell us what your true weight is, that's okay. But I'm sure you're probably in that ballpark. So what did you feel like? You're already a man. What did you feel like you needed to really work on in order to put yourself on a par with some of the guys that you were going up against? I, the biggest thing is literally my strength. I mean, because last year I don't think I don't think I was even bench pressing 200, and now I'm like uh, bench pressing uh, about like 220, maybe more. I do like 225 reps. I can still get a little stronger, but I'm doing what I can. And uh, and so, but I changed my body a lot. I mean, I came in as 280. As a freshman, you know, oh yeah, I was two eighty. I think I was like six nine too. But now, now I'm six ten. I'm I'm like two fifty now. My weight fluctuates every now and then, but I'm most like I'm two fifty for the most part. And I, I increased my agility. My uh, my bounce has gotten a lot better. I think my vertical increased like four inches. Like so, in warm ups, I try to give the fans a show. I try to do a couple freestyle dunks for the fans and get them ready for for what they're about to see. This is the opportunity, Nate, for you to to credit uh, Kenny White, who I think a lot of people around the league know him by sight, but they don't know his background. He's a former basketball point guard who can go up to big guys like you and tell you what to do in the weight room. How good is Kenny White? Yeah, man, Coach White. I love Coach White. Uh, he's actually, I think, he holds a couple of records in his old school. I he mean, does. University of Vermont, just, correct? Yeah, yeah. He's just a great guy. I mean, every time in the weight room, he always gives us history lessons. Uh, a Black History Month, is, which is uh, now, he, he always tells us about like Jesse Owens or or a whole bunch of other uh, famous. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, he goes old school guys. on you, then, huh? Yeah, he, he goes old school, man. He he talks about uh, I man. He talks about literally every single uh, great athlete that that was before me, and t- yeah, and gives just gives me a little bit of history of who was before me and stuff. And so in the weight room, I, I know I broke my finger over the summer. So over the summer, we did a lot of lower body stuff. So uh, the Vertimax, he had me on the Vertimax literally every single day I came in. And Vertimax, I think that helped me a lot with my bouncing. Um, and he just he just motivates me to be better. And, uh, you know, he knows I like taking pictures. So he wants, me, wants my body to get right for that. There you go. You got to be able to style and profile, right? Well, it's interesting that he that he tells you about some other, you know, great players and historical figures because usually when we talk, he just talks about himself. 
<laughs> so, Nate, uh, John began uh, t- this morning t- talking about the, the importance of low post play. Y- you watch basketball like everybody else. You see these big 6'10 and 7-footers, you know, the Kevin Durant's of the world, stepping out and shooting from 25 feet. Uh, mm-hmm. You obviously have a skill inside. Can you just talk about your focus about being the best low post player you can be? Um, well, I watch a lot of film of myself, and I look at the way defenders defend me. Um, I know St. John's, they, they send a double team. They ha- they try to, like, they try to like uh, force me baseline, and then that baseline player comes over to help. And so it's kind of like puts me in a bad situation. But I just watch film to see what I can do to, um, to make me to make my uh, like basketball game easier. I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. So Nate Watson joins us, a sophomore center for Providence College, visiting with us here this week in the Big East. Now you've had a chance to kind of see this, and you, as Kevin mentioned, you see other players step out and hit the jumper. Where would you say your range is right now in the jump shot, and is that something Coach Cooley wants you to do, or does he really want you to concentrate primarily on being sort of more the the inside out player? I mean, I think I can shoot three. In practice, I shoot threes all the time. I'm like uh, before practice. I'm getting up my shots, shooting, having shooting contests. AJ Reeves, I beat him a couple of times. Wow! And uh, yeah, I actually beat him a couple of times. He, you know, he's a great shooter, forty-six percent, I think. But um, you know, I stick to what I do, what I do best. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a good post player, good post scorer, and I'm not going to break anything that that's not broken. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to fix anything that's not broken. You know the quote? I, yeah, I I yeah, quote. you're close. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, but um. Yeah, I mean, Coach uh, tells me all the time, just uh, do what you do best, and that's what I try to do every game. Nate, let's talk about the other end of the floor, because like any big guy coming into college basketball, there's a serious adjustment, and the number one adjustment is staying out of foul trouble. And uh, like every other big guy, you've had your games where all of a sudden you look at the minutes, and Nate Watson's played 12 minutes, and he has four fouls. Uh, Why is it so tough for big guys to learn to stay out of foul trouble, or, of course, it's the referee's fault a little bit too, right? Yeah, man. A referee, <laughs> the officiating this year has been a little crazy this year. But for me, for big guys, it's so hard. It's kind of hard to not get fouls because, you know, they call over the back fouls. I mean, you have to help these guards on the on the ball screen, so they call, like, little touch fouls and stuff. And, like, I noticed all my games, I barely, like, foul the shooter. Like, they're always, it's always over the back fouls or, like, trying to help help these guards on the um, ball screen. You know, it's just it's just silly silly fouls like that. Or frustration fouls. Those have a, that that um that plays a big role. Like say you miss you miss a shot. <clears throat> say you miss a shot and uh you like you're surprised you missed it and the other person gets the rebound and you try to tip it, right. referees call that foul every single time. And and it might not be fun to see those, but that is what you have to adjust to, right? I mean you can't be stubborn if that's what refs are calling, yeah. you have to adjust. Yeah, you definitely have to adjust to that. I, I always talk to the referees sometimes. So, like, I just like try to make relationships with them. Probably a smart thing to do, Nate. And in, in fact, when you ask them, okay, so this is a foul, but this isn't. Can you explain the difference? That's what I think I would do. I think that would ingratiate you. That would kind of get you in their favor a little bit if that's what you're looking to do. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Uh, they they tend to help you out a lot. And uh, like, say if my opponent is being a little too physical and they don't notice this, I, I kind of tell the referees like, hey, he's he's doing a little too much. Just kind of watch him because sometimes they they tug my jersey. Even players even pull my shorts down. That's a little weird. <laughs> but they pull my shorts down. They pinch me, and they it's just crazy, man. Do they, do they tickle? Do they tickle you? They, yeah, they tickle me too. It's little. It's, it's, it sounds weird, but hey, 
Whatever they got to do to stop me. Yeah. All right. Well, that might be a little too much information, but we're glad that we have it anyway. That, that's they, called life in the Big East. It is John. life in the Big East. They got to do anything they can to get in your head, right? Yeah, Yeah, there's no question. All right, I'm going to ask you an obvious question, but Providence trying to get on a roll here at the end of the year. What's the one thing the Friars need to do, you feel, to get back in the hunt and be ready to roll uh, when it comes to MSG time? Have fun out there and just come uh, come to every game with energy and just we have to do what we have to do to win, which is rebound, put the ball in the basket, make some threes, make our free throws. And uh, and we have to stay out of foul trouble. That's the biggest thing. And uh, I think we'll be we'll be good down the stretch. Sounds like you kind of hit on everything that Coach Cooley would tell you to, right? Yeah, man, I listen to Coach Cooley a lot. It's my guy. That's Providence Friar Nate Watson. Friars have this weekend off before finishing up at Creighton next week and then at home against Butler before heading into New York. Who's hot? Well, the league-wide heat check is coming up next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives, and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep, and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Who's hot? Marshall for three, and he got it to fall from 23 feet away. Just an offensive juggernaut right now for the Musketeers. Joey Hauser from way out. Twice he's been Big East freshman of the week. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. And certainly, this week has already featured Villanova's win over Marquette to stay in the race for the regular season title. But I wanted to point out a potential flaw, Kev, that I've noticed in an otherwise flawless Marquette team. They don't take great care of the ball. Now, I read a number this week. They're 227th nationally in turnover percentage. So I'm wondering if that's how the Golden Eagles get their wings clipped from this point. What they really do lack is another really top-level ball handler after Marcus Howard. He's a scoring point, but he has the ball in his hands an awful lot for obvious reasons. Right. I can see where they might have some turnover problems. Uh, I thought it was interesting watching the Villanova-Marquette game. The key player in the game was Jermaine Samuels. Correct. Averaging four a game, and he comes up with 29. 29 right. And it was one timeout in the first half where they went to Coach Wojciechowski and basically said, stay close you know, to Samuels, but basically don't worry about him because we have to worry about right. Pascal and Booth like everybody else. Well, Eric Pascal had four points, and Villanova wins going away. Not quite sure what that means. If they can get that third or fourth guy, whether it's Gillespie or now Samuels or someone, to make some shots, all of a sudden Villanova is going to be a tough out again. Well, as for the Big East Player of the Week, the award this week went to Najee Marshall of Xavier. Averaged 22.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists in a perfect week that the uh, Musketeers extended their winning streak to four games. Had a career-high 28 points in an 11-point, excuse me, a one-point win at Seton Hall. And then he's followed that up with a 17.7 rebound, 4 assist effort in a 12-point win against Villanova. Najee Marshall rising to the occasion like somebody thought he would. Along with his entire team. You know, right. you look at the core of that team, John, Gooden, uh, Tyreek Jones, Najee Marshall, Paul Scruggs, those are all very highly recruited top 50, top, top 75 40, kids. Yeah, top 40 uh, recruits, I believe. You know, and it's not as if they were getting blown or out you know, early in the year. They right. just they had to come together, and they're a very dangerous team right now. 
Big East freshman of the week, Joey Hauser from Marquette, 11.5 points, 4.5 rebounds per game in a 2-0 week prior to the Villanova game. In their 10-point win over Butler, 15 points and 7 rebounds. He had 8 more in a win against Providence at Providence. He's such a magnificent compliment to his older brother Sam on the Big East honor roll this week. Martin Crumple from Creighton, 18 points, 8.5 rebounds in a 2-0 week for the Blue Jays, so don't forget about them. He had a 22-10 and double-double in a win over Georgetown. Just Jesse Govan, speaking of Georgetown, 15.7 rebounds, shot 60% from the field. He had a 21.11 rebound double-double in the Hoyas win over Villanova. Sam Hauser, older brother of Joey, as we just talked about, 14.5 points, 9 rebounds in a 2-1 week. He had an 18.13 rebound double-double in the Golden Eagles win at Providence and shot 55% from three-point range. Talk about shooting. Alpha Diallo from Providence, leading the Friars in scoring, rebounding, and assist. He Average 17 and a half points, eight rebounds, three assists per game, and Diallo at 6'7 continues to lead the Big East in rebounding. And Shamori Pons from St. John's. Who else? Game high 27 in a win over Seton Hall, added five assists and five steals in that win for St. John's. So uh, a who's who again on the Big East honor roll. You know, there's one guy I want to talk about, and that's Jesse Govan, uh, 26 points in their 82 uh, 73 win over DePaul which gives them a, a seven-league win with three to play. Uh, there, Somebody called me during the game, and they said, wow, Georgetown's really good. And they had not seen the talent of the young guys, Akinjo, McClung, Josh LeBlanc, those three freshmen. And I said, yes, they are, but the, the guy who carries them is Jesse Govan. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, totally agree with that. All right, once again, you know it's the 40th season of Big East basketball, 37th consecutive year that the Big East men's basketball tournament, presented by Jeep, will be played in New York City March 13th through the 16th at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. It is coming up. And you want to be there. you got to be there. Don't miss your chance. This was the most attended postseason conference tournament in the country last year for a reason. And we can expect with the even play in the Big East this year, anything can possibly happen. Single session tickets are on sale. Go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for more information to buy your tickets. Well, the state of the Big East in the league's 40th year of basketball competition, also heading into Big East Tournament number 37, as we just said, at MSG. And a check of what's relative, what's good, what's intriguing with Commissioner Val Ackerman. That's next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose, where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at Xavier.edu. Big East Focus. Primo for Villanova. The North Blue going right to left. Has it right of the lane. Nowhere to go. Back it up top. They work it around. Left corner. Bay three. And it's good for Sadiq Bay. And Villanova jumps in front by 18 with 319 to go in the first half. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. She was the first president of the WNBA. 
But it wasn't just basketball that Val Ackerman was good at. Field hockey and track were also part of her background before hoops even ever took over, taking her talents to the University of Virginia, playing some ball overseas, moving into the NBA as a staff attorney. And then a long association began with USA Basketball around that time with the 1992 Dream Team even before taking the reins as the first WNBA president and now commissioner of the Big East since the conference reconfigured itself six years ago. Val Ackerman joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Val, you've always been the busy type. You're not a wallflower by any stretch. It's great to visit with you again. So how have your relationships now helped you when it comes to helping Big East schools? Can you give us an example, maybe? Sure. Uh, John, great to be with you, and Kevin, as always. Um, Well, you know, it's been uh, an exciting 30 years for me, literally 30, since I started my work in basketball. It's a sport that I played it's a sport that I love, um, and it's a sport where, um, the, as you noted, the relationships just sort of keep coming back into the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm literally dealing with people today that I knew when I was a student athlete at Virginia uh, back in 1981, people uh, who were uh, young executives in the athletic department then, still there. Um, you know, that experience really you know, set me on my course uh, for what's been this incredible journey in the sports business. Um, you know, as it relates to the Big East, uh, one of the highlights of my professional career was working with Dave Gavitt, sure. who was the president of USA Basketball back when I was at the NBA. As you noted, uh, I had the uh, the honor of working on the first Dream Team in 1992. Dave, of course, was the USA Basketball president at that time and helped bring that, that incredibly exciting initiative um, into being working with the NBA, and that was, you know, interestingly one of the reasons that this job was so attractive to me, the idea that I could help carry on Dave's legacy about building a basketball-centric conference. So it's been a great run, and uh, it's a privilege, really, to represent these 10 great schools in the Big East today. So, Val, we won't put you on the spot, but I imagine you have some really good Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, Dream Team <laughs> stories. Those Forget about Charles Barkley, because those stories are infamous. But, uh, boy, what a great time. Everyone always talks, well, there's been, you know, 30 for 30s and documentaries on on that Dream Team, and uh, I know that you traveled with the team. It's, it had to be just a, an unbelievable experience. It was incredible. I mean, I, you know, I was one of the day-to-day liaisons um, with USA Basketball at that time. Um, it was really uh, about a three-year run-up um, when FIBA made the decision in 89 to let the pro players represent their countries. Um, the NBA had to join USA Basketball, and then there was a very long runway leading into the qualifying tournament. Team USA had to play in in the summer of 92. We weren't automatic. We actually had to qualify our way into Barcelona. And then the journey itself overseas, we had a couple of exhibition games in, in Monte Carlo, which was crazy. And then, of course, being in Barcelona with that team at that time was, was an experience really like nothing. You know, I do talk to Chris and Patrick about that because I was working on that. They were, of course, star players. Chris recently sent me a picture of me sitting, we think it was in a bus, um, near his wife Liz, um, you know, from that time. And he said, you know, does this look familiar? And I, you know, I sort of sent an OMG, uh, yeah, is that, you know, was that from Barcelona? And he said, yeah, and, and so it was just brought back this incredible memory Very of cool. working on that. But to have them both in the league now in their current roles is, uh, it's so fitting 
you know, and, and we hope they, and expect they'll both be very successful in their coaching careers. Well, Val, this relationship with USA Basketball continues, and I wonder if you might speak for just a moment to the challenge that the Big East Conference and its players will have this summer as they actually will form uh, the, uh, the, the team that will go to Peru and play internationally. So I think that's a really big coup for the conference. Well, we're really excited about it for sure. Um, what happened here is um, that the Pan Am Games, which is played every four years in the year before the Olympics, um, and involving uh, school uh, schools involving countries just from the um, North, Central, and South American uh, region, mm-hmm. um, has a basketball competition. It's a multi-sport event, but USA Basketball routinely sends a team um, of college players. And, you know, their practice in the past has been to basically conduct a, a tryout and then pick the best players available. This time, they and the NCA decided that they would send uh, an all-star team from a single Division One conference. Uh, and the conferences were asked to apply if interested. We were very interested, so we applied. And the good news for us was that we were chosen from among several Division One conferences for this honor. Um, Ed Cooley. Uh, was uh, we named as our uh, our choice for the head coach of that team. So um, Coach Cooley will be involved. The training camp will include um, a, a stay up in Providence at the new development center. And we're now working hard with uh, with Coach Cooley and his staff and representatives from USA Basketball now to put together this team that will represent the U.S. in this prestigious competition. Our work's cut out for us. It's an eight-team event. It's in Lima, Peru in August. Some of the countries will be sending pro players, um, and so we we have our work cut out for us to uh, to perform well. But a great honor for the Big East, uh, and it was very um, you know exciting that the NCAA and the uh, and USA Basketball both thought that we were up to the challenge of representing the U.S. in this event. Well, I have to ask you the question that uh, fans always seem to ask me when everything gets to Madison Square Garden in March is, uh, geez, will the Big East ever expand? You know, is this team good? You know, can we get this team in? And I, I ask that for you to, you know, respond. But also, uh, I always say why, because the scheduling is so perfect with the round robin, you know, 18 games. And also, I, I think you guys have done a great job by uh, firming up these relationships with the Big 12 and the Big 10 uh, with the Gavit games to fortify your schedules, uh, where some of these other leagues have to play 20 and 20-plus 20 league games. It uh, looks like you're set at 18 for the time being. Well, the, uh, the answer is that it's very possible that we would expand. We're certainly not ruling it out, um, but it would take uh, a very compelling um, case at this point um, for all the reasons you noted. I mean, the 10-team configuration has worked out really well. Um, as you noted, um, it allows for a full round robin during the conference portion of the season, so that gets you a clean 18 games. It's very balanced. We're, you know, that's good for our schools. It's also, we're told, good for the NCA selection committee because they get a very good sense of, um, you know, who who in our league is is most deserving to play in the NCA tournament. We have added to those 18 games two high major games with the Gavit games, our Big Ten Challenge, and then our Big 12 Challenge, which will be starting this year. Um, So that kind of gives us the 20 games right there that some of the other major conferences have adopted. Um, You know, so the answer is we'll see. Um, You know, the tournament, um, you know, you mentioned Madison Square Garden. That actually, you know, I'll say is, 
one of the most important assets we think we have as a league. We announced in December that we've extended our arrangement with MSG with our men's basketball tournament, so that we're going to be there for a solid decade now um, on the traditional week that we've played. So I, I know our schools, our men's basketball coaches, and our fans are really excited about that. Um, and I, you know, I would just say that our presidents, including uh, Father Shanley in Providence and President DeJoya, President um, Donahue. Um, there, you know, and and seven others are all fully committed to keeping the Big East nationally um, relevant and and highly competitive in the sport of basketball. So we've got a very good thing going right now. Um, and what the future holds, you know, who knows? No one knows. But uh, I, I will say for now, the ten has worked out as a very good number for us. Well, Val, the presidents, the fans, the players, and the coaches like going to MSG. But on behalf of all media, John Rook and I really enjoy going. Yeah, we don't want to go anywhere else, Val. <laughs> all right, good to know, guys. I got that noted. Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman. And in case you were wondering, Big East Women's Tournament is set for March 9th through the 12th at DePaul's brand-new Trust Arena. Well, almost brand-new. It's the second year of operation. But it's at Trust Arena in Chicago, Illinois. The men's tournament, of course, coming the week following, beginning on the 13th of March at Madison Square Garden. Time for a little perspective from around the country, a little outside observation of the league from a long-time college basketball contributor, Jeff Goodman. He's next this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. At Creighton University, our academic programs are recognized nationally for excellence and innovation. Creighton's outstanding undergraduate research opportunities, internships, and clinicals provide students with a chance to explore, create, and discover new knowledge. With business, law, healthcare, and multiple degree options in the arts and sciences, you will leave Creighton ready to begin your career. And our students form a passionate community ready to contribute something meaningful to the world while in college and after graduation. Visit Creighton.edu to learn more about the Creighton experience. The National Perspective. Bring it up on top. Hand it off for Baldwin. Baldwin up ahead of the circle, driving. Eye off the glass. Shot is good. Wow. 14 now on the day for Kamar Baldwin. And the lead back to five now for Butler. Welcome back to this week of the Big East. You know, there's a term getting thrown around college basketball at this time of the year. Bubble? You ever heard of that one? You know what that means, right? But when there's a soft bubble, well, does that mean trouble for some teams? Does it mean opportunity for others? Stadium basketball insider Jeff Goodman joins us. And, Jeff, I'm wondering if there's anything to like about this uncertainty for so many teams around the country at this time of the year. What do you think? Uh, I think we should go back to 64. Uh, <laughs> 68, to me, is a number that just doesn't work. I mean, the bubble is brutal. And uh, I just – listen – Personally, I don't get into the first four. I, I, I think the worst thing that happened to the first four was VCU going from the first four to the final four because then everybody thought, oh, this is some great thing. But honestly, how many people really watch the first four unless your team is in it? You got two 16s that are playing each other. Nobody cares about those. And then you got two more that are generally, you know, high major teams that really weren't good enough. They backed their way in, got in the NCAA tournament. So I, I would go back to 64. Um, it's not even a part of the bracket that, that Joe Fan fills out uh, for their bracket. So uh, that's my take on the bubble. Yeah, but Jeff, you can bet on the games now in like half the half the states. <laughs> you know, I mean that's all. That's always got Good some sizzle. Point. You know, it's, it's 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 a few more games that you're right. It's uh, four more games you can bet on. Good point. Good you point. Know, you know, Jeff, as uh, we're obviously this week in the Big East, the Big East has a slew of bubble teams, everyone from yep. 
uh, Seton Hall to Georgetown to Xavier has come out of the blue. Uh, there's an awful lot of teams that look like those three in the ACC, the Big 12, uh, the SEC. Uh, how's the committee going to slice these teams apart? It's going to be hard this year, again, just because, you know, like I think as of today, I think Seton Hall's done enough, right? I mean, that win against Kentucky was huge. I think that probably puts him over the top. Uh, the better Kentucky does, the better chance Kevin Will has got of, of getting in. Um, but, you know, again, when you're talking about the Georgetowns and the Creightons, I just don't see how those two get in uh, unless they go, you know, Big East title game and maybe having a, to win the Big East tournament. Butler's the one that I think is the most – they're right on the bubble to me. They're right on the bubble at this point. Here, here's the thing to me, the hardest part for me is I would rather see UNC Greensboro in the tournament than Butler. I don't know about you guys. I'd rather see St. Mary's or Toledo. Toledo, there's one. Furman. I get that their resume doesn't stack up. I understand it. But to me, again – they don't have the opportunities that these big boys have, whether it's in the Big East or the ACC or the Big Ten, whatnot. They, don't, they, don't, they just don't get them. They don't get them in the non-conference. They certainly don't get them in the conference. And every loss in, in league play, it means you've got to kind of run the table like Wofford's done or, or Buffalo. They've lost a couple, but they had some big wins in the non-conference. But people don't. They're not going to play Furman. Like, why would you play Furman? They, they don't want to. They, they'd rather play, again, a team in the – you know, 150, 250 range that they know they can beat. They're not going and playing Furman or UNC Greensboro. They know those teams are going to be dangerous. Well, what's interesting, Jeff, is it seems now this this is we're going to credit the NCAA. So I hope you're on board with this. It seems as if the net, the new measurement uh, vehicle, has propped up some of these low majors uh, who are winning a lot of games. Yeah, I, I think you're right to some extent, Kevin. I mean, you look at the net and. Uh, and some of these teams, I mean, again, like Wofford uh, today is 20 in the net, which is the highest they're in in any any of those those metrics. So that, that's kind of a good thing at this point. But I'm looking at it right now, kind of scanning through, and I'm saying to myself, that's really it. I mean, Buffalo and Wofford are the only teams, according to the net, I think they're in the top 45. Then you got Lipscomb at 48 right now. Uh, they're not getting in. I mean, I, as an at-large, Lipscomb's not getting in. Furman at 49. So if they go by the net, I think you're still looking at just like two teams, two, three teams maybe that are that are going to get in at-large-wise that are kind of one-bid league type teams. Jeff Goodman, college basketball insider for Stadium with us here this week in the Big East. I want to go back to something you said about uh, Butler in particular because while Butler has not exactly uh, done the most with its opportunity thus far, the fact of the matter is, is that they still have an opportunity to improve the resume, and so it's almost as if they're getting penalized, penalized, whichever way you want to put it, for not taking advantage of that opportunity. Is that basically where you're coming from? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, too, they've just lost a ton of games in the, in the Big East. I mean, you look at it, you're like, all right, the Big East, let's face it, it's not what it's been the last few years. We know that. I mean, you know, Villanova's not what they've been. Xavier's taken a significant hit. The bottom is better, no doubt about it. The bottom is clearly better, but the top has fallen off. So the disparity from one to, you know, ten is 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 as minimal as it's been since the league kind of turned over or changed uh, a few years ago. So I, I think you know that's the problem when you look at you look at Butler and kind of who they've lost to, and you know uh, you know Xavier on the road, 
uh, Creighton on the road. Those aren't going to be ones that, that even Providence, obviously, you know, Providence, uh, to me, I know Ed's had a tough go this year with injuries and whatnot. Uh, but those are three losses that they're not going to look at favorable when they, when they look at the end of the day. So I think Butler, to me, you know, they put themselves in a, in a, in a tough spot right now where I don't know if they're going to beat Villanova on, on the road. I mean, I think that's hard to, to imagine Butler doing, but I think they got to win their last two and, and Xavier at home at Providence and then make a fairly deep run in the Big East tournament. Jeff, I, I would contend that right now the third best team in the Big East, just how they're playing, forget about their resume, is Xavier. You know, And if you look at Xavier's top four players, Najee Marshall, Paul Scruggs, Tyreek Jones, uh, the point guard Gooden, uh, th- those are all very highly recruited players, obviously coming in with a new coach this year. Uh, could this be a year where someone – now, it's never happened really in Big East history – where someone off the map, not in the tournament, wins the Big East tournament. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, you know, again, like I said, Villanova has shown their vulnerability. Like Marquette's clearly the favorite, I, I think, going in right now. I mean, people would say Villanova, but they're, they're kind of helter-skelter. You don't know what you're going to get with them. Mar- I know they beat Marquette at home uh, last night. I, I think Marquette is the team that, that gun to my head I'm picking – to win the, the, the Big East tournament. But again, if you look at it and you say, all right, Xavier against Marquette on a neutral court, can Xavier beat him? I mean, they're two totally different teams. You know, Marquette obviously shoots the, the heck out of the ball. They're super skilled. They got a little bit tougher this year, where Xavier is really all about toughness. I mean, they can't, they can't really score the ball that well. Uh, you know, they fight you, and, and I love Najee Marshall, and, and I love Scruggs' toughness and Gooden and Tyreek Jones. But they're not super skilled. They had to rely on fifth-year transfers uh, this year to kind of help out, but they weren't key cogs. So, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think this is the best opportunity for a team to come out of nowhere, get an automatic bid. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happens in the Big East. I mean, we can't trust St. John's. We know that. Like, they're up and down. you got no idea what St. John's team you're going to get. Jeff, uh, a final one for you here. Uh, taking the Big East in consideration, do you have a sleeper that maybe some fans should kind of pay attention to, whether it's in the league or without, outside the league, uh, that you know isn't getting quite the love you think they might be deserving of that maybe fans should kind of follow? Washington. Washington's that team, and it's because they play in the worst big league in America this year. The Pac-12 absolutely stinks. Um, so Washington gets no credit for it. They've done a great job in their league, uh, but it almost doesn't matter because every win is, is almost expected uh, that you should win, and they've only got one loss in, in the league uh, at this point. So, you know, and, and it was one that, you know, at Arizona State, I've seen Arizona State multiple times in person. Um, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. So I, I think Washington's that team that guard you and in the NCAA tournament. As we know, that 2-3 zone is really, really tough to prepare against, especially on the short turnaround. So watching get past that first game, and we've seen it lately with Jim Bayham and Syracuse, uh, there'll be a tough out in the NCAA tournament, especially on that second game. That's stadium basketball insider Jeff Goodman. Crunch time in the Big East regular season is here. Who's got next? We'll provide details next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. To walk these classrooms, these fields, 
these courts is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. Who's got next this week in the Big East? Samuels, open three, right wing. He's got it in Villanova leads. You gotta love it, 613 to go on the road. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. Four games this weekend with upper half teams trying to hold their ground, lower half teams trying for a late season push into that upper half, and postseason dreams could be made, certainly could be burst quickly, like popping a piece of bubble gum, I guess. Here's Butler at Villanova and Seton Hall at Georgetown on Saturday. And Kev, who needs the win the worst? Well, let's just go to the top of the league. Villanova needs the win. You know, Hey, you, we know that Villanova wants a regular season champion. You know they won the national title last year and didn't win the Big East. Uh, they, they always like to say that. Well, this year they're in position again to win the Big East regular season. Uh, Villanova and Marquette both have twelve wins. Villanova has two games left: Butler at home and at Seton Hall. Marquette will be a little busier. They have home games against Creighton and Georgetown in a road game at Seton Hall. So. First, first place is up, up for grabs here down the stretch, John. So we're third and fourth, for that matter, with Seton Hall and St. John's in there. Sunday, St. John's will go to DePaul. Creighton will go to Marquette. You mentioned that one. Tuesday, maybe a postseason elimination game. Xavier going to Butler, and then Providence plays at Creighton and Georgetown, a quick return playing at DePaul. So, again, teams are going to eliminate themselves here in the next week, I think. I think we're also almost bound to see a situation where someone finishes their regular season with, with a matchup and then they go to New York and face the same team, uh, whether it's Providence Creighton, whether it's Georgetown DePaul. Uh, I see quite a few of those, uh, Butler and Providence. That could happen too. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, John, it's interesting. I saw a pro- projected Big East tournament bracket. And, by the way, get your tickets. Val Ackerman told us they're going really fast. Last year there weren't many good seats available, so buy them quickly. That first night, that Wednesday night, those games are killers. I mean, really good, evenly matched teams. You know, we could see a Butler, a a Xavier, uh, a a Providence coming in hot and leaving hot because they'll face somebody good and go home. You might almost want to play in that Wednesday game just to keep your momentum rolling or at least to establish it in New York. Well, how how about this? Say you're Marquette or Villanova. They play the winners of those teams, you know, of of those games. Do you want to play a Providence if they show up in you know New York and knock DePaul around? And if, if you're Villanova, I don't want to see the Friars. That would be a pretty tough matchup for a team sitting there and waiting until Thursday night at 9.30, right? Well, don't forget, if you're still looking for more Big East Hoop news, you can tune in each week live with Big East Shoot Around. It's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, the Fox Sports Go app, and it's got coaches, players. Send your questions in, your hot takes via social media for the hashtag BE Shoot Around. Our thanks this 
week to Providence's Nate Watson, Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman, and Stadium College Basketball Insider Jeff Goodman for joining us. Thanks also go out to our flagship stations at Providence, Marquette, and Xavier for some of that sound taking us inside the big moments on the floor. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins, to Matt Morell, and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin Mack, I'm John Rook. If you like what you hear, let us know and leave that review on iTunes or hit us up on Twitter with your questions and your retweets. And we'll be back again same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.